Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. If you turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be looking today at being humble. What a concept, huh? I entitled the message, Humble Thyself. We always want everybody else to get humble, don't we? And it's easy for us to point out people that aren't humble. But it's not easy for us to look in the mirror and say, you know what, I need to humble myself. The Bible tells us if we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, He will lift us up. We don't have to seek personal acknowledgement, take credit for anything. Anything good that we do in life, it's God working in you and through you. And you need to understand that. So we're going to be looking at a few verses today. Uh, let's read the first four to get started. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in the lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to look into truth, Lord God, and remind us, Lord, that we need to be like you. You are an example for us. And Lord, you wouldn't ask us to do anything that you wouldn't do yourself. And so right now, Lord, things like this, humbling ourselves, being other-centered and not self-centered is not natural for us. And so we need a touch of the Holy Spirit. Give us ears right now to hear the Holy Spirit speak to us, to encourage us, and to jumpstart our hearts to do these very things. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, yesterday was so great. I don't know if you guys enjoyed yourself, but I know I did. And what I loved about it was the fact that um, it seemed like, you know, the, I've been, you know, you've been hearing me for the past couple of years just say the urgency of the coming of the Lord, that we need to get ready. Jesus is coming soon. And with all the events that have been happening in the last year and a half, two years, it, everything's accelerating. And I think after listening to uh, Amir Safate yesterday and, and Mike Golay kind of like reinforce that, was showing us what's going on in the Middle East, showing us what's going on in the Temple Mount, showing us what's going on with the surrounding countries, surrounding Israel. I mean, we are so close to Ezekiel 38 that uh, you need to get your seatbelt on because it, you're, you're going to hear a trumpet soon. <laughs> and uh, I don't know about you, but yesterday as I was listening to them, I was thinking to myself, every day is so important now to get the gospel out and to quit wasting time. I waste a lot of time. I don't know. You guys probably don't waste time. But I waste a lot of time with things that aren't, they're not bad. It's just like, but they're not profitable when it comes to the kingdom of God. It's like, 
if I knew God was coming next week, I think I probably wouldn't sleep. I think I would spend 24-7 trying to get the gospel out and plea with those that have rejected Christ. Jesus is coming. There's going to be a time when the father says to the son, go get your bride. And he's going to blow a trumpet. He's going to call us up out of here. And then there's going to be a judgment upon the world like the world has never seen, the seven-year tribulation. And then Jesus is going to come back with us. We're going to have a seven-year honeymoon in heaven. We are the bride of Christ. And then we ride back with Jesus. And I liked what, um, was it Amir or was it Mike? He said, pray that when Jesus comes back, you don't see his face. That you see his back because you're riding with him. Because all those that will see his face are going to suffer the consequences of their evil and their rejection of Jesus Christ. And so he will judge the world and at the end of that he will set up his kingdom for a thousand years and show us what the earth should have looked like under a righteous king and a righteous rule, and there won't be any violence or evil. It'll be amazing. And at the end of all that, he wipes out the heavens and the earth, the great white throne judgment at the end of the thousand-year millennial reign, and all those who have rejected Christ will stand before him. All those will be delivered out of hell, all those that have died rejecting Jesus, all those that might have been alive during the tribulation who rejected Jesus, will, they, they will make it through maybe to the millennium, but everybody in the millennium's got to make a choice too. And so there's going to be people that are going to choose the wrong thing. And all those unbelievers are going to be standing before God at the great white throne judgment. You and I won't be. Praise the Lord. Yeah. We will be at the Bema Seat of Christ where we are judged for our works. We're saved, but He's going to award us special awards for what we did for Christ. What an awesome day that'll be. But to those at the great white throne judgment, they will bow their knee, they will confess that Jesus is Lord, and they'll be cast into the lake of fire. And what a scary thing that would be. You know, if... We know that hell is a place of torment, but hell right now is a holding tank for the final judgment. And the lake of fire is like hell turned up a few notches. It was created for Satan and the fallen angels, not for you. But if you don't want Christ in your life and you make that decision, hey, I'm doing it my way, your way is going to hurt. And there won't be anybody in hell there won't be anybody in the lake of fire that can blame Jesus for why they're there because He has done everything possible to make sure they weren't there. It's pride that sends you out. It's pride that causes you to be separated from the true and living God for all eternity. Take the gift of salvation and live forever. And so you say, well, what does that have to do with the message today, Steve? Well, the title is Humble Thyself. Humble Thyself, acknowledge that Jesus is King. He's Lord. He's Savior. He's done it all. When we talk about end times like we did yesterday, there should be such an urgency on your heart that you realize time's short and i got to get busy. 
So what does that mean? That means in order for me to get the gospel out, I've got to be a servant. I can't be a servant unless I humble myself. I can't be a servant unless I let my pride and lay it down. I can't be a servant if I think I'm better than others. I'm no better than any of you. And you're no better than me. And we're all a work in progress. And God is doing tremendous things through you. I love it. I love seeing that. I thank God for it. But we got more to do. And we got a little bit of time to do it in. And so, we need unity in the body of Christ more than ever before. I was talking with Amir and Mike after the service yesterday, and we were talking about the dangers right now that are going on in the church at large is that there's so much division being caused. At a time that we should be united more than ever before, the enemy is getting in and, and causing churches to divide, and it's like, you know, it's, uh, it's so crazy. Listen, if there's another church on this island that believes that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is God, Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again on the third day, and that you're saved by faith, that's our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Oh, but they're so Pentecostal. So maybe we should be more Pentecostal. Well, they're not Pentecostal enough. So what? Well, they use a different Bible. Okay, same Holy Spirit. Hello? Well, they don't do things the way we do. Well, maybe they do them better. Not to mention the problems that we have with churches dividing because of COVID. Isn't the enemy smart? you got churches that won't fellowship with other churches because either they haven't been vaccinated or they have been. Are you kidding me? That is so stupid. And But, you know, the enemy knows that time's short, people need to be saved, so if he can divide the church with, with gossip and lies, vaccinated or not vaccinated, not like our church, you know, if he can divide it, then he keeps us from doing our job, which is sharing the gospel and getting people saved. Because then we get so consumed with he said, she said, who cares? I don't care what anybody thinks about me except Jesus. If I do everything that God's telling me to do, I can lay my head on the pillow at night and sleep. I love what Jay Vernon McGee said a long time ago. He said, people are going to say all kinds of horrible things about you. Make sure they're not true. There's always, there's always a good Instagram, isn't there? Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok. You want to trash somebody, you can do it over social media in a moment and it go worldwide. And it's funny how people believe in all those lies that they see on, on social media rather than seeking out the truth. We need unity more than ever before in these last days. But we need unity. When I hear people say, we need unity at all costs, I don't believe that. Because what happens is we have people that are going for unity at all costs at the risk of compromising truth. We can't do that. It's unity at all costs without compromising truth. 
See, when, you, when you've got these groups that we see around the world today, they're fellowshipping with every kind of belief that's out there. You know, oh, we're just, you know, we're all going the same direction. It's all leading to one thing. It's, it's to all be unified. No, it's not all going the same direction. There's one God, there's one way, and that's it. We cannot compromise truth. So as believers, and how many other believers on the island, there's so many great churches out here on, these, on this island. And we need to be unified with them so that the community can look at us and say, listen, those guys, they're different denominations, but they're unified. They're like on the same page. They like each other. They love each other. We are going to be more effective in this community when they see our church is willing to fellowship and do things with other churches. And so we need that unity. The Bible says about unity in Psalm 133.1, it says, Behold how good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. God desires unity in the body of Christ. Ephesians 4.3 says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We've got to work at it. Ephesians 4.12 says, For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And last week in Philippians, we looked at Philippians 1.27 where he said, let your conduct or your lifestyle be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of your affairs and that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's talking about unity. Are we working together or are we working against Christians? You know, if the enemy can get us to fight amongst ourselves and with other churches, he can stop us from doing what we're supposed to do. Because we, what? We get derailed. We should look different from the world as Christians. Now, I know we look different in church, but do you look different out of church? Because we can be on our best behavior here, but then we can look just like the world out there, and that, that leaves people with a mixed message. And so you need to ask God for more strength. Lord, that I would be an ambassador of Christ, that I'd be a light that reflects your glory. So he says there in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love if any fellowship of the spirit if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded having the same love being of one accord of one mind he talks about the consolation of christ listen do you have the peace of god <clears throat> we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ wherefore we have peace with god because we put our trust in Jesus, we have peace with the Father. 
But many Christians don't have the peace of God, which means whatever happens that's not positive in your life, you're still just going, well, praise the Lord, I got Jesus. I don't understand this storm, Lord, but I got you. Lord, this is a tough trial, but it ain't too tough for you. That's peace. That's the consolation in Christ. If any comfort of love, are you comforted by the love of God and do you show that love towards others? The fellowship of the Spirit, there should be some koinonia going on amongst us. We should be showing affection and mercy. And Paul says, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. How do we do that? By reading the Word of God and understanding that this is the truth. And then we're like-minded because we believe this is the Word of God. You know, there's one thing that God puts above His name. Guess what it is? His Word. If we have all these things that we just read, guess what? We would have unity. If we don't have these things, we'll have division. And the church needs to stop dividing. You know how many people in the community are divided? I mean, there's some real vocal people in the community that are totally divided with everybody else. But you know what I noticed in our community? No matter how divided everybody in the community can be, when there's a disaster, there's unity. Because the one thing that makes Kauai very unique is that we truly believe in family, the ohana. And we may have our differences, we may have our skirmishes, we may have our conflicts, but as soon as the disaster hits, we all team together, we lock arms, and we become a family. And it's almost like you don't want the disaster to end because you know the family will end. And we've seen it time and time again. Unity because of a common goal. And how many in the church are divided? I mean, not in this church, but other churches. But divided against other churches. It's only because they've lost sight of the goal. What's the goal? Jesus Christ. Christ crucified. The Gospel going out. We're all trying to be better than others or we're all trying to critique one another. Or we're, you know, I am so tired of Christians that are finding fault in everybody. They spend so much time sin-sniffing rather than getting the Gospel out. And it's so sad because which one of us is better than the other? Who am I to come to you and point out all your sin and not look at my own? And I'll tell you what I've learned over the years is the people that go out and blow up people about their sin, they're the ones that are hiding the biggest sins. Because the ones who realize that they're sinners, they will come to a brother or sister in grace and humility and say, I love you. I see what you're involving yourself in. How can I help? Because that could be me. And there's such division today. We need to stop dividing and the reason there's division in the church is because Christians have lost sight of the goal. And yesterday I was reminded of the goal again. The time is short. Jesus is coming soon. In verse 3 he says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Wow. Anybody here selfish? And Okay, a couple of honest people. Now, let's try that again. Anyone here selfish? 
Hey, I ain't much, but I'm all I think about. Do we ever do things with selfish ambition and conceit? Do, oh wait, no, we've learned to do it godly. We do it in a way it's like, so people will see it, and it's a good thing, but you know, oh no, no, oh, I don't want to take any credit for it. We, we make sure somehow it happens to where somebody goes, whoa, dude, that was awesome, was it? No, it was not. False humility. And I get it, we all battle with that stuff. But he says, don't let anything be done with selfish ambition. For personal gain, but think for the gain of the kingdom, for the purpose of Jesus Christ, not with conceit, in lowliness of mind. What is lowliness of mind? Well, he tells us, let each esteem others better than himself. Are you esteeming others better than yourself? Are others more important than you? Or is it all about you? Now, we've all known people in our life that boy, when you look at them, you talk to them, you know it's all about them. And some, some of them, you can't even get a word in edgewise. Because whenever they talk, they override you, and they just start talking about themselves, and it's all about me. And there's even Christians like that. You know, I, me, 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 I've done this. Boy, I was talking to all these people. I, was, I, sh- I led five people to the Lord. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing... Well, there's your reward. Do it as unto the Lord. If you're doing it for the recognition of man, then that's all you get. If you're doing it for God and you don't care if anybody sees you or not, guess what? God will reward you in heaven. If you're doing it because you love Jesus, then you're on the right track. But if you're doing it to be seen of men, there's no reward in that. In lowliest of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. So there's nothing wrong with looking out for your own interests. There's nothing wrong with having goals. There's nothing wrong with making plans. There's nothing wrong for doing stuff for yourself. But he says, but let's make other people's interests a little more important. Does that make sense? Esteeming others better than yourself. Being others-centered and not self-centered. Not causing division. Humbling yourself. What causes division? What keeps you from esteeming others higher than yourself? Yeah, pride. The origin of sin. Lucifer wanted to be like God. That's where it all started. God hates pride because pride is the origin of sin. Listen to these Scriptures on pride. Psalm 73, 6. Therefore pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil pride. Proverbs 11, 2. When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with lowly is wisdom. Proverbs 13.10, only by pride cometh contention. What does that mean? That means if you get in an argument with somebody, that means one of you or both of you are being prideful. Because contention only comes with pride. Proverbs 14.3, in the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. Proverbs 16.18, pride goeth before destruction. Hello. 
Proverbs 29.23, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. 1 John 2.16, For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. Sounds like God's not into pride. (laughs) What's the fruit of the Spirit? That was sad. Love. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love. And then it says joy and peace and it adds all those things. I heard somebody say joy. J-O-Y. Jesus, others, you. That's the order. Laying down our pride. Treat people how you want to be treated. That sounds good, doesn't it? Confront others. Here's one for you. Confront others like you want to be confronted. Hello. So before you go and do the snap on someone, reverse the roles and picture yourself as the person coming to you. And how do you want somebody to come to you when you're doing the wrong thing? Confront others the way you want to be confronted. Do you want to be loved? Anybody here want to be loved? Then why is it so hard to love others? Well, you just don't know what they've done. I don't care. Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they've done. Wasn't he the perfect example? Didn't he just say love? Give it over to him? Because what happens when we don't love, we get bitter, we get full of unforgiveness, and then God can put us on the shelf because why? There's no talking to us anymore. We're just so full of bitterness and wrath and grudges, judgmental heart, and now I can't be used by God. The devil would love to see you hating people, holding grudges, building walls, walls that Jesus tore down. The enemy will use anything to keep you from having a relationship with others and that relationship that's blocked to others will block your relationship to the Father because the Father won't forgive you of your sins if you won't forgive others. What does that mean? Does that mean I'm lost? It doesn't mean you're lost. It's just that you broke communication with the Father. You're saying, Lord, I need this and Lord, can you help me with this and Lord, fill me up with this and he's going, what? I can't hear you. Did you take care of that thing yet? And I'm going to encourage you today, if you feel like God's not hearing your prayers, maybe there's some things you've got to take care of. And he's just waiting for that. What would the church look like? What would the church look like if everybody loved like you do? What would the church look like if everybody gave like you do? What would the church look like if everybody served like you do? What would the church look like if everybody read their Bible like you do? What would the church look like if everybody was humble like you're humble? Those are good questions for all of us. What if we had a church full of people looking for someone to love on. Can you imagine if all of you came in here 
At both services, people were coming in, hunting down people to love. Oh, whoa, that guy's getting away. Tackle him with love. Don't let him get out the door. Quick. That's a new couple I didn't say hi. Get him. Love. But that's only going to happen when everyone's concerned about others more than themselves. So how do we do this? How do we lay down the pride? How do we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord before others? How do we become the servant of all? What does God say about being humble? Having humility. Well, I can read you a couple of scriptures. Proverbs 16, 19. It's better, is it, better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Matthew 23, 12. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. James 4, 6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but gives his grace to the humble. James 4.10 Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. 1 Peter 5, verse 5 For God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5.6 Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. See that the key to success as a Christian is the more we humble ourselves, the more we're going to be used by God. If you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you've got to be the servant of all. And that only comes through humility. So you don't draw attention to yourself, so you don't need a pat on the back. You're doing it for Jesus. And you just keep doing it. You don't need to be recognized. You just want to serve God. Why? Because He's worth it. Because he's done so much for me, who am I not to respond in this proper way? I just want to encourage you guys, the more you're humble, the more God is going to use us. Now Paul doesn't leave us right there without an example. And actually he gives us the greatest example of all. Look in verse 5, he says, Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. So who's our great example for being humble? Jesus! Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no, rep got that? no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man, He humbled Himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's taking it all away, isn't it? That's crazy. It says, the Creator of all things came not seeking any kind of reputation, not trying to be something that everybody would go, ooh. But he humbled himself and came bringing truth. Now, we should have all seen Jesus if you were around in his time and went, whoa. 
Wow. But the thing that I'm, I'm trying to stress is that he didn't come into this world in a big fanfare. I mean, if you're the king of kings and the creator of all things, I mean, don't you think you should be born in a palace? Don't you think all the news stations should be there? There should be a giant parade and light show and the king of kings is here. No, he came lowly. Born of a virgin. He wasn't born in the day. He was born at the night. He came into this world into the darkness of men's hearts. And He came amongst, amongst the undesired. Who were the first ones to see the baby Jesus? The shepherds. Shepherds were low life, according to people. Shepherds were such low life that you couldn't even have a shepherd be a witness in a court situation because they were just known as liars and thieves and you couldn't trust them. So isn't it funny that He revealed Himself first to liars and thieves that nobody trusted? And then told them to go out and tell everybody what they saw. <laughs> no one's going to believe it anyway, right? He humbled himself. How many people want a reputation? How many people want to be acknowledged for what they do? You know who's a great example of humbling themselves? Joseph and Mary. I can't wait to chat with them. But what must it have been like to be ridiculed and mocked and verbally abused all your life like Joseph and Mary? Right? Because Jesus to the public was a bastard, an illegitimate child. And Mary was a loosey-goosey. And they don't know, was it Joseph, was it somebody else? But oh my gosh, this... This family's a mess. And how do we know that they were rejected? Because it doesn't say a whole lot, right? But we sense it. I'll tell you how you know. This is how you know. Remember when they were taxed? And they had to go down to Bethlehem? Everybody, because Caesar pronounced the tax, and he thought he was controlling everything. But actually, Jesus was the puppeteer, and he was... He was messing with Caesar to get him to pronounce this tax so that we could fulfill the prophecy and that Jesus would be born at Bethlehem. So they travel 60 miles down from Nazareth on a donkey. They get to Bethlehem, and is there a place for them? No. Why not? Well, it was tax time, so there was a lot of people, so everything was filled up. Okay, but, but this is the thing. This is their hometown. This is where their family lives. But their family didn't want them because they were a shame. Not even realizing that they had a chance to have the Messiah born in their house. Can you imagine living your whole life and not getting any credit? Or being talked bad about? I'm saying this because you know what? People talk about you. They don't talk about you to me. You know what I'm saying. People talk about you and you worry too much about it. Let it go. Bring it before God. Let it go. Move on. Don't let it distract you because there's nothing positive in it. We have to go forward. Jesus came down clothed in flesh. I mean, that's crazy when you think about that. God, the Creator of all things, came down clothed in flesh. I mean, He came down as a man. Now, as a man, I go, that's pretty cool. He came down as a man. I'm a man. 
No, what a letdown. What a letdown. He left glory. Hello. Remember we were talking about it last week? Paul said he got a glimpse of glory and he was like, it would be sin to try to describe it. That's what Jesus left to come to this dirt ball. To be born in a barn and stuffed in a feeding trough with a bunch of stinking animals. To die for our sins because He loved us so much that He couldn't think of being separated from us for all eternity. And so He did the impossible for you and me. But He had to humble Himself. He came down and made Himself of no reputation, fashioned as a man. Because that was the only way He was going to speak to man. was to look like man. And He did that so none of us would ever be able to say, you don't know what I'm going through. Because he did. He was born. He grew up. He suffered just like we do. He went through everything that we do and way, way, way more. So you would never be able to say, you don't get it. He's like, oh, I get it. You don't get it that I get it. (laughs) Right? And here's the key to success in life. Check this out. When we humble ourselves before God, guess what? God will exalt us. I wanted to be meek. I wanted to be meek so much. I tried so hard to be meek. And I I got to a place where I was meek, and then I was proud I was meek, and then I wasn't meek anymore. But if you have a true heart of doing things for Jesus and you don't care what anybody thinks or or if anybody sees it or if anybody acknowledges it, you just want to serve God because he's worth it. Guess what? When you humble yourself like that, God will exalt you. Let's wrap this up. Verses 9 through 11. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him. And given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Amen? How many knees? Every. Now, you know, you and I as believers, guaranteed, when we get in His presence, we're going to fall on our face. Just because we're going to be praising Him that He brought us in. But even the unbeliever, the ones that, you know, do you ever hear those unbelievers who say, well, you know, when I get up there, I'll give God a piece of my mind. There's some people out there giving so many pieces of their mind, it's amazing they have any mind left, right? But everybody that rejects Jesus Christ, you know, this is where it's going to get real sketchy for the rich and the powerful. Now, there's a lot of rich people that are godly that God uses. It's amazing. But you know, as well as I know, there's a lot of billionaires. There's billionaires on this island. They don't know God. And they think their money and their power and their authority is everything. Guess what? When they're on their deathbed, it's not going to do them a bit of good. And there's going to come that time, you know, where they're going to come and it's the great white throne judgment and they're going to stand before the Lord and every knee will bow and they won't be able to say a word. There won't be any arguments. They won't even have a case. Nobody's going to be able to say, well, no one told me. They'll just go run the video. Everyone will hear. That's how good our God is. I don't care about if on a remote island in the jungles of the Amazon. 
Everyone will hear. The Bible is clear that the Father draws, the Holy Spirit calls, and Jesus goes after us. There's none that seeketh after God. No, not one. Jesus pursued us. He ran after us. And when He revealed Himself to us, whether it was by a vision or a dream or by creation or something, as He revealed and we desire to seek more of Him, He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. So all those that reject Christ, billionaires, leaders, the wicked, the prideful, even good people who say, well, I don't need Jesus, I'm a good person. They'll all stand before the great white throne judgment. And what a sad day that'll be. Because I think about this, I think, so you're, you're in hell awaiting the great white throne judgment. Hell's a holding tank. The lake of fire is totally different. So does that mean when He delivers them up from hell and they stand before Him for a moment of time, they're not feeling that pain? And then He says, depart from me, I never knew you. And they go in the lake of fire. I can't imagine what that would be like. I can't imagine the arrogance and the pride of men and women who say, I don't need Jesus. that you would choose torment for eternity over humbling yourself and acknowledging that He gave His life for you because He loves you? I don't get it. I can't comprehend it. I have an uncle in Wailua. And I try to give him the Gospel all the time. He doesn't even want to hear it. He's, he's dying. And I said, and he complains about everything. And I said, well, you know what? Obviously nothing's working for you. You want to try Jesus? He goes, no, I have my integrity. I weep over him. Because his integrity is going to send him to hell. Let me close with this. We need unity in the body of Christ. At all costs, without compromising truth. We need to humble ourselves, guys. We need to humble ourselves and go fix and mend some broken relationships. And I don't care if you're right and they're wrong. Fix it. Don't be so right that you're dead right that it ruins a relationship. Be the bigger one, the more mature one. Humble yourself. Take the hit for the team. For the sake of Jesus. For the sake of restoring a relationship. Because I'll tell you what, most of the things we divide over are petty. And it's because somebody didn't get their way. And because I didn't get my way, I'm out of here. It doesn't help the kingdom of God at all. If we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, then God will exalt us. We don't need people to exalt us. And the greatest in the kingdom is going to be the servant of all. Amen? Father, we thank You for the Word of God. 
And Lord, uh, help us to get busy in these last days and to mend broken fences, broken relationships, Lord God. Help us to uh, be other-centered, not self-centered, to humble ourselves, Lord God, to not seek recognition, but just seek to put a smile on your face by our actions, our speech, our behavior. And Lord, give us strength because this isn't natural. So give us strength right now. Fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit as we go out these doors. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.